0: Sunday mornings we are looking at gospel jewels in the book of Jeremiah and it's a very dark chapter that we read from and right at the end of the chapter comes that uh, shining light uh, giving us uh, that lovely definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me just read again verses 23 and 24 which is what we're going to consider briefly this morning and then we'll go into the Lord's Supper. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says The Lord. Every one of us here this morning. Has something. That we boast in. Glory in. I used to boast in the fact that I was a Welshman. For example. Every nation. Glories. In itself doesn't it. Churches. Families, individuals, we all have the tendencies to glory. Now, there are two things I want us to consider this morning. False glorying, false boasting, and then true glorying. And I trust God will apply these to our hearts. False boasting, Uh, Calvin, not a dry as dust theologian, but somebody who knew God, he said, this is a remarkable passage and often found in the mouth of people as other notable sayings which are known as proverbial sayings, yet they are not rightly understood. Maybe you are familiar with these verses because they're well known. And yet, you don't get what Jeremiah is saying. Now, my first task this morning is to deal with wrong things to glory in. False boasting. And Jeremiah mentions a number of things. Wisdom. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. What we mean by wisdom here is human wisdom human wisdom now what is it to be wise to be wise is to think the right things and do the right things at the right time for the right reason or to put it in a more colloquial way wisdom is the answer to life the universe and everything and in a way that is practical Is there anybody here this morning who is boasting in their own wisdom? Think of the most intelligent person that you may know or may have read about. And they understand, don't they? They understand things of this world much better than any of us can. And this is my question how much does that knowledge, that intellectual ability, enable them to live? Does it mean that they are able to live? If you think of our society, and we are living in a time when people claim that we have uh, developed a great deal, so we are no longer bound by the shackles of traditions. Uh, we claim, don't we, today, uh, to uh, be free from the prejudices uh, of previous generations. And there are so many things now where we are uh, kind of boasting. We have dealt with. We are uh, big on equality. We are Uh, uh, no longer uh, people uh, that uh, were uh, kind of uh, uh, bound as a previous generation. Has that improved our lives? If you think of society today, I think it's right to say, in the West, society has never been more divided than it is today. There has never been more problems in families more mental health problems more immorality than we're seeing today so this is what jeremiah is saying let not the wise man glory in his wisdom if you think that your ability as it were to understand life human understanding if that is the answer to living well it's not a very good one is it it's generally agreed that one of the wisest peoples that ever lived were the greeks right just before jesus christ came into this world greek civilization was probably one of those peoples that got as close as you can get to finding the truth to finding wisdom by human ability a lot of our um, institutions today are based on Greek society. This is what Paul said. I love these words. Uh, We started the meeting reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to Paul here. He's using the Greeks as the epitome of human wisdom, human understanding. And he puts it like this where is the wise according to this world where is he where is he if you look at greek society it was immoral it was all all over the place Uh, and he puts it like this 1 corinthians 1 21 for after the wisdom of god the world by wisdom knew not god it's impossible to find the answer to life, the universe, and everything by our own understanding. And if we think, as professing Christians, that we are better off, we're not. Because Jeremiah here wasn't addressing the surrounding peoples. He was talking to a religious people. And the people of Jeremiah's day, they thought that they had the answers As we saw a few Sundays ago, they were boasting in a religious understanding. They were saying the temple, the temple, the temple. Or some of them were saying, we have the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures. And that means we are wise. Well, in one sense, it does. (laughs) You're turning to the right place uh, when you're uh, looking to the Bible for the answers. But just knowing the Bible doesn't make us wise, does it? And some of you, like me, were brought up in church, chapel. And I heard words uh, like sin and salvation. But I didn't understand their meaning. I didn't. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. Who is the man who is so wise that he can understand this, asks Jeremiah. If you look at the chapter, I don't want to go through it again, the chapter we read from, this society that had the Bible, that claimed to know God, that knowledge, because it wasn't uh, the right approach that they had, it didn't improve their society. The things that we read of in Jeremiah 9, uh, we read of deceit, we read of, Murders. we read of adulteries, we read of covetousness, all the same sins that the surrounding nations were guilty of. So that's the first point Jeremiah is saying, you cannot boast in human understanding, human wisdom. And then he goes on to say, let not the mighty man glory in his mights. What's this? This is human strength, physical strength or strength of personality. Now, that's what happens in society often. Uh, The people who are physically strong uh, or who have a stronger personality, they tend to wield that strength to have their own way. But Jeremiah says... This is not the answer. This is not the answer. Why not? Well, think of the sins that are listed in Jeremiah chapter 9. The power of sin. No amount of human strength can fight the power of sin, can it? There is one power mentioned here. Did you hear it in the reading? It's personified even. Verse 21, for death has come through our windows, has entered our palaces to kill off the children. Death, the grim reaper is personified. The Bible calls death the last enemy. It thinks of death as a person. And it doesn't matter how naturally strong we may be, one day that strength is going to diminish and we're not going to be able to conquer death. And we can protect ourselves as much as we want. We, without human understanding, and there is nothing wrong with this, we can try and make death less of a likelihood. But in the end, death is going to come to us. Uh, the people in Jeremiah's day, they wouldn't be able to stop death from coming in through their windows, from entering even their palaces. So death would come to the person in the hovel, but death would just be able to come because of its strength. To the one in the palace. Uh, This was what really started me seeking. I wanted to have a religion that would deal with death. Don't you want that? Isn't it a shock this morning hearing of the passing of Brother Graydon? Some of you will have only spoken to him the other day. And now he's gone, death. But my friends, this is the sobering thing. Death is going to meet us all one day, and we don't know when. We don't know. So it's not your strength of personality or your physical strength that's going to beat death. I'm um, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, uh, many of you will have heard him preach here. He was a great preacher. He was asked to preach in the funeral of a famous boxer, apparently, who lived in Merthyr. And Lloyd Jones, he was, he was frightened. And he didn't know what to say. What am I going to preach on? And in the end, this is what he preached on the fights this boxer couldn't win, the fights he couldn't win. Riches. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his strength, and let not the rich man glory in his riches. Jesus told a story, we don't know if it was true, of a man who was rich, a rich farmer, and he was so wealthy he had a problem. He didn't know what to do with all of his goods. So he planned to build bigger barns in order to store his fruits and his goods. And he said, take it easy. Eat, drink and be merry. You've got enough wealth to be able to relax and forget about anxieties. And you know what God said to him that night? Death came to his palace and God said, you fool, you fool. Uh, This is what uh, one uh, old uh, theologian said many centuries ago, Thomas Fuller. Riches may leave us while we live. We must leave them one day when we die. I'm a pastor, so I don't know what it is to be rich. (laughs) Not financially, anyway. Uh, But apparently, rich people are often unsettled because they're constantly worried uh, about their wealth. Is it safe? Is somebody going to take it from me? And uh, when you die, you're no longer going to have that problem because you came into this world naked and naked you're going to leave it. Again, that's a sobering fact, is it not? Uh, There's a hymn which puts it like this. There is an hour when I must part with all I most hold dear. Whether you're boasting in bricks and mortar, whether you're boasting in family, whether you're boasting in nation, one day, my friend, you're going to have to say goodbye to that. And you're going to have to walk alone that lonesome valley, the valley of the shadow of death. And every one of us is going to have to stand spiritually naked before god our creator this is how solomon a very wise man put it the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong nor bread to the wise nor riches to the wealthy I was in Bethlehem a couple of years ago. I don't know how many of you have been to Bethlehem. And in the same place as uh, the uh, uh, chapel uh, it is now uh, where Jesus was born, you come across the study of Jerome. Do you know who Jerome was? Jerome was the monk who translated the bible into latin right he was a very interesting chap and Jerome on his study desk and you'll see this if you go to the chapel in Bethlehem he kept a skull how macabre you say fancy keeping a skull uh, in front of you every day do you know what Jerome was doing he was a very wise man actually he was reminding himself every day That death was real. That death would one day come to him. And my friend, that's what I want this passage to do to us this morning. Uh, What is the point of human understanding? What is the point of human strength? What is the point of human riches? When ultimately, one day we're going to have to leave this world behind. And there is an eternity after death. Now then, those are the things that it's absolutely useless to boast in. Listen to Paul writing to a young minister called Timothy. He put it like this, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Isn't that true when it comes to human strength, human riches, human understanding? It's all so uncertain. It's all uh, shaky hope. Now then, let's look at the positive here. Uh, That's false boasting. What are we really to boast in? Let him who glories glory in this. Let me just say this. The answer to false boasting is not no boasting. If we don't boast in something, we're robots, aren't we? The answer to wrong feelings is not no feelings. It's having feelings in the right direction. The answer to false boasting is not no boasting, but boasting in the right things. Do you know what? You and I are created to boast. Uh, To use a slightly different word, we are created to worship. Have you ever seen dogs hold a service of worship? I've never seen dogs have a prayer meeting. I've never seen dogs have a meeting where they're barking together, organized barking, to praise God as their creator and sustainer an animal even though an animal is created by god doesn't have this capacity to boast to worship but we are in the image of god and this means we must boast and this is what sin has done sin has twisted the boasting so that we boast in the wrong things as we've seen and i want us to be converted which means to turn and boast in the right things not uncertain things not things that cannot satisfy not things that are one day going to be no more but things that are eternal things that are of substance things that satisfy not just the body but the soul don't you want to boast in something like that Uh, augustine said thou hast created us for thyself And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. My friend, you're always going to have a restless heart until you boast in the right thing. In God. Wisdom. Wisdom. What is wisdom? What's the answer to life, the universe and everything? It's not 42, right? I was brought up... Uh, with douglas adams the answer to life the universe and everything is not 42 it's jesus christ jesus christ is wisdom personified jesus christ is wisdom incarnate. jesus christ is the word made flesh the logos jesus christ said whoever has seen me has seen the father the source of all wisdom What did we sing? Right at the start. Be thou my wisdom. Jesus Christ. You may not have an understanding. You may not have much formal education. You may not have a degree. But if you have Jesus Christ, you know, you know the answer. Uh, Human strength. (laughs) What's the second law of thermodynamics? I'm going to get this wrong, I'm sure. The second law of thermodynamics, just in simple terms, is everything is going to lose energy eventually. Am I right? Everything is going to lose energy. So we're all getting older. We're all losing strength. And unless something is infused from the outside, we're all going to, uh, as it were, go on a downward spiral... But this is what God promises in the gospel. He promises, as I said to the children, to give us a new life, an infusion of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when we are born again. We are born of the Spirit. Praise God. Christianity is not here in the words of C.S. Lewis to make nice, religious people of us, but to make new men and women of us the power of God in the soul of man. And once that power comes into your soul, it will never, ever go away. There's no second law of thermodynamics when it comes to the Holy Spirit. It's actually the inner man being renewed day by day. And if you know God, that God-shaped hole in you makes you truly satisfied. But this is the problem, and this is the gospel. I know we've had a long time coming to it. How can I know God? I'm spiritually dead. How can I, who am a sinner, like the things mentioned in Jeremiah 9, how can I know a holy God? How can I, who am appointed to die, and after that to stand in judgment before God, how can I be saved? Don't you want that? You know, when somebody dies fairly suddenly, it does uh, put uh, something into you as a preacher. Uh, I was uh, saying to the elders in the vestry this morning, thank God for the gospel. I don't know what else we would have if it wasn't for this now what is the jewel of the gospel here let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me how can i know god that's what i'm asking becoming a christian is to know god becoming a christian in the words of the shorter catechism is to know god and glorify him and enjoy him forever don't you want that Don't you want not just your sins forgiven, not just a place in heaven, but to have this vital living relationship with God? What's the answer? There are three things, and then I'll finish. Three things. I am the Lord, and here they are, exercising number one, loving kindness. What's this? Loving kindness is the kindness of the love of God in his plan of salvation. Now, I know those are big words, but what it comes down to is this. Even though we, like Jeremiah's uh, situation, are in sin and we can't get ourselves out of it, God has done something. He's got a plan. It's a covenant. And it's the steadfast, unchanging, loving kindness of God in a person, not Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the shadow of another, Jesus Christ jesus christ judgment judgment what's that ah you say god is a god of justice that's another translation a god of justice there's something in that which is a relief isn't it because we live in an unjust society And one day, God will bring justice about. He will vindicate the truth. But at the same time, there's something frightening about the judgment of God, is there not? If I'm a sinner, if I'm about to die, I'm not right with God and I... Don't want to face God as judge. So, how can the judgment of God be good news? Well, it's linked to the loving kindness of God. I am the Lord exercising loving kindness and judgment upon the earth. What is the good news, my friend? The good news is that in God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ, his love and his judgment meet together. And we're going to remind ourselves of that in a moment on the cross. On the cross. You know, it was the cross that was the crux of God's plan. All of the preparation for centuries before, even in the prophecies, details being uh, prophesied. All of the preparation leading to that one climactic moment. And this is the astounding thing. The moments that Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, it looked as if the devil and death and sin, had won. It was weakness and shame on the cross. But this is the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was in the weakness of God that the power of salvation was released. You see, we don't think like that, do we? We think of strength. But God's way of salvation, it's that in weakness, in weakness, his gospel is achieved. I find that amazing. Let me just read again. Uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men it's victory on Calvary from the jaws of defeats. just when Satan thought I've got him I've got God's only begotten son I'm going to do away with him it was at that moment that Jesus Christ bore God's wrath for your sin and mine, tasted our judgments, took the penalty so that death might be broken and we might have a hope, an eternal hope. This is so profound, we just can't go fully into it. And righteousness righteousness this isn't just a characteristic of God God is righteous but that's frightening isn't it that's what Martin Luther had a problem with uh, he couldn't understand how the righteousness of God was good news but then he had his eyes opened and he saw it's not God's righteousness as an attribute but God's righteousness is a gift a gift on the cross Jesus Christ made a transaction There was a glorious exchange. Think of a financial transaction. There was a glorious exchange. So our debt was placed on him, but then his credit was imputed to us. That's what righteousness means here. It's the righteousness of God in Christ. (laughs) Can, Can you see now why this is something to glory in? Listen, uh, Paul, as we started the meeting, Christ who became for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. So let him who boasts boast in Christ. Uh, Listen to Paul. I'm not ashamed, the opposite. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I was um, listening the other day to John Motson. Is it John Motson, the football commentator, being interviewed on Desert Island Discs? And the interviewer said to him, you've got a deep love for the game. And it comes through, doesn't it, in his commentating when he was a commentator. And here's Paul. He's got a deep love, a deep love for lost souls. He's got a deep love for the Saviour who is the power of God unto salvation. It shows I'm not ashamed. I'm thrilled. I'm over the moon. I'm bowled over by the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first, to the Jew of Jeremiah's day, to the Jews who crucified him in Jerusalem, and to us. And in it... The righteousness of God is revealed. This gift of righteousness. Uh, uh, I'm coming to a close, I promise. (laughs) What are you boasting in this morning? Are you boasting in your nationality? There's nothing wrong in being whatever nationality you are. But you can't boast in that. Are you boasting in your abilities? Are you boasting in the fact that you're rich? Are you boasting in the fact that you're strong? All of those things will run out one day. Are we boasting? Those of us who belong to this church, in the name of our church, we shouldn't boast in this church. What we are to boast in is the only thing that will satisfy our souls, the only thing that can give us a hope of eternal life. The only thing that can deal with death. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Forbid it Lord that I should glory. Save in the death of Christ. It's a strange thing to glory in isn't it? You know the cross has been. Uh, anaesthetized. But it wasn't something uh, romantic. It was, it was really. A horrible place. It was bloody. He was naked. He was hanging there in shame. He was the off-scum. The off-scouring of society. And yet, we're boasting in that. Because there, there, the power of God was fulfilled. Well, we're going to finish there. And as we come to the Lord's table... Are you trusting, as Tony asked, are you trusting in this person for your salvation? And if you're trusting in him, praise God, but boast in him, my friend, boast in him. We can't get too much of Jesus Christ for his name's sake.